We observe today not a victory of party, but a celebration of freedom. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. The Human Zoo, where they don't hide away the sick animals. Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The independent republic of Mike Graham. It's time to attend you and I'm talking to you! On Talk Radio. Dismiss! Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. That's right, you thought I was gone, but I'm back now. It's all been kicking off while I've been away, stunning myself in Greece, but it's time to get down to business and sort out the world's problems. Luckily, Daisy McAndrew is here to fill me in on everything I've missed in the past ten days. It's been quite eventful, I'd have to say. Uh, one or two people being locked up uh, for contempt of court, which we're not going to mention. And, of course, uh, I've been having a few rows with people on Twitter. First up, we'll be talking Home Secretary Sajid Javid. He's unveiling new anti-terrorism powers for the police in a keynote speech this morning. Over the weekend, which was also the anniversary of the London Bridge attacks. He set out his stall as someone despised by Islamists and the far right. Equally, on the show today we'll get a view of Britain's security policy and how he's doing from a former MI5 operative who is so secretive we're not going to be able to show you his face. 0344 499 Also, we'll be talking divorce as we learn that more and more women are putting up with infidelity from their partners to safeguard their rather cosy way of life. Plus, we'll find out what's happening with Melania Trump and why she's not bothering to follow her husband around any longer. Who can blame her? And if you're thinking of going on holiday anytime soon, it might be cheaper to go abroad than head to the dreaded centre parks. I've been there and I'm never going back. 0344 499 1000. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, and Daisy McAndrew on Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. And a very, very good morning to you. Mondays always look brighter when you're here, Daisy. Oh, and you can't. I'm very happy to and be it's here. very nice that you're back. Yes. Your, your holiday looked very, very I good. I did have a lovely time, it has to be said. I was very lazy. Uh, I was very, very inactive. And, I, I uh, love the fact that you didn't well, You didn't even get through a tank of petrol in your hire car. Well, not only, not, not, not only did we not get through a tank <laughs> of petrol, but actually took the car back and the needle on the, on the, on the fuel hadn't moved at all. Because uh, it was actually quite close to the airport. The only reason we got the car was one, I hate the idea of getting to a foreign airport and having to then get a taxi and or some kind of transfer, no, see, uh, which involves I'm, hanging around with loads of other people on a bus. I'm completely the opposite. Are because the, the, the bit of getting, going on holiday I dread the most is that queue for Europe, Coral, wherever oh, yeah. it is. And you know when you see all of the If the it's desks, bad, yes. You see all the desks mm. and there'll be one with a long queue and you'll think, please don't end that. That'll be the one there. you're going and to. And that'll be yes. your one always. Well there, are ways, the well, there are ways of bypassing that. And in fact, uh, there was only one person at this place when I when I went to get the car, so that was that was not a problem. But yeah, I mean, we we literally took I think fifteen minutes to find the hotel, which which was ten minutes more than it should have taken because we got a bit lost. And then on the way back, it was literally five minutes from the airport. So we had this car that you just could sat, have walked. It sat in the, in the car park of the hotel, and in fact, so much so that when we went back to get it on yesterday, Saturday. Yeah. Uh, Saturday, I guess, when we came back, uh, I was worried somebody might have stolen it because I hadn't seen it for the whole week, and I just assumed it was it was still there, and there it was. Now you you can settle a long running argument in my family. Do you do the extra insurance when you do car no. hires? No, never, no. never, because partly it's covered by my credit card anyway. Yeah. But they did have a rather disturbing nine hundred euros uh, charge if the car was stolen, which is why I was a bit concerned. Like you get, get the excess thing. It. Yeah. It's not I think it... there's a way of getting that back on your on your, uh, on your your uh, credit card Although scenario. The, fir- the first time I ever hired a car with my now husband, but boyfriend at the time, and we were in, I went for a, a romantic, very, very soggy holiday in yeah. Ireland. Yes. Got into the hired car. Um, I hadn't done the excess thing, and um, he reversed it into a bollock <laughs> in, in, in the car park. Instantly. We hadn't we had even left the airport. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's not a great start. We're with Tom Marcus, who's here uh, with his new 
book, of course, Capture or Kill. Uh, Tom, thanks for staying with us. Matt Logan is the character uh, in the book. So yeah. have you created him as a sort of, you know, possibility of a of maybe a series, a few books? That you yeah, it's, it's definitely the, the start of a series. Uh, and <laughs> with Logan, it's it's told from from my point of view because I, I only write what I know right. um, and I think it's important to 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 bring bring that realism into it despite being fiction it needs to it needs to be real and Logan is definitely told from my point of view right and because obviously you know you've said it was very much a surveillance type operation I mean as 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 dangerous as it was and and as, as important a job as it was I imagine it's quite dull at times as well you're just sitting watching someone do you know? Yeah, there 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 are there are peaks and troughs with with the surveillance world, um, and and me especially within the surveillance teams, the the hardest bit is waiting for that standby. He's, yeah. he's waiting for that call that your targets out in the open. As soon as you get that standby, mm. every, for me, in amongst the the chaos of and the and the carnage of of what is potentially a very dangerous very dangerous time for me, it's extremely calming because now you can get on with what you. What right. you do, what your skill set is, right? Um, and I always say, we, you know, we're not us within the surveillance teams. We're not, we're not superheroes. We're not all, you know, um, built impervious to, to to terrorism or uh, or harm. We've just got a very, very narrow skill set that we've that we're lucky enough to do, mm. to employ in a job. And what was the incident um, when uh, you were? I think you were sort of posing as a as a homeless person outside a mosque. What yeah. was what was that? So we've story? been on this in this target for for a while. We knew this particular target wanted to commit mass murder. We just didn't know when and where. But the increased surveillance around him uh, and within the different environments that w- we work, the the great thing is, and it's why I think MI5 surveillance teams are the best in the world at what we do, is because we blend into any environment. So for me, busy London street, it, chucking it down with rain, people everywhere, I just decided to to pretend I was homeless. So sat on a soggy bit of cardboard, bed, begging for change with my coffee cup, soaked in my own urine, the whole, the, the whole issue. Uh, police walking past me didn't pay me any attention at all, and I was waiting for the. Just to interrupt, if they had tried to move you on, would you have told them who no, no, you no, really? No. So you no. would have carried it on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You, you, well, I call it, uh, and we call it in the teams, is is living your cover. Mm. So the cover that you're that you're portraying to the to the outside world is absolutely what you live, because you never know who's listening. Mm. Third party targets that could be potentially connected to your target. You don't want them to know MI5 are in the area, so you you live your cover as much as possible so if they told me to move on they'll probably would so you were watching the, uh, one particular um suspect <clears throat> yeah um and we we're waiting for him to uh we knew we'd gone to last prayers waiting for him to come out of the mosque um and i'd i'd never missed anyone coming coming out of a building before um and when the worshippers were starting to leave I'd, i i couldn't see him at all well it comes as a mass movement doesn't it when, exactly I mean, right if yeah everybody watches people coming out of a mosque i mean sometimes it's even going mass. in yeah. i mean that's quite difficult to keep but yeah. you, you'd person. been counting them in and counting them out yeah so um i I normally make a, a mental note of, of the female worshippers going in because there are far fewer compared mm. to the males. Um, and in this particular target, I'd, uh, no one could see him coming out, but I'd made a mental note of his of how his sandals looked on the way in. Um, and as, as people coming out en masse, people absolutely everywhere, we couldn't see our target anywhere at all. But ju- just as we were watching and the surveillance teams were starting to check different areas where if he could have snuck out, there was two um, figures walking past me, both full burkas, and as they walked past me in the rain, one of the garments rose up wearing exactly the same sandals as our target had. So I thought this was probably pretty, mm. a pretty like, highly yeah, so likely he'd come that out he would, disguised as a woman. Exactly, trying to hide his identity, in which when you're running up, when a terrorist is running up to uh, an attack, 
hiding their identity is a real big indicator. So do they often assume that they're under surveillance then in, in, if they're in that kind of business? Some some people do, some people don't. Right. Uh, the ones, and, and, and for us... Um, as surveillance teams, it, it doesn't matter if they if if they assume they're under surveillance or not, because you know, for for us, we're completely confident in our skill set. What, that what we happened to them. him then? Uh, we uh, I I took on a, what we call a follow, so I've um, followed. The, it was still a potential at this point, not confirmed, of this um, of the, this figure with the sandals. Followed them down a, a side street. Um, we, we lost sight of them, and to cut the the a long story short, that's actually in Soldier Spy. Um, the that particular target ended up in a car, um, and sped away out the area. The, the, our surveillance team got control of the car uh, further north, away from the area, and the, the, at that point, the decision was made to call in executive action, which is um, normally the armed police where they come in and arrest the target for us. Right. But at this quick, quick pace um, and this quick decision, it was uh, special forces. They came in and arrested them for us. Uh, took the took the target away. And the car that he was in was searched. Within the boot of that, they found uh, an automatic rifle, four magazines, uh, homemade improvised explosives. And he's. He, we found out later that his target was two um, was two coaches of children returning from a school trip. And, and he was going to do it that day. He was going to kill them all. So you saved all those children's lives that day. Not well, not me specifically. I mean, I'm part of a I'm part of a surveillance team, and the team is part of a wider organisation. Yeah, but it was you that spotted he'd come out dressed in a burqa. That yeah, I mean, I I would never take credit for 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 for, for saving those. I was part of a bigger operation, and the and the intelligence community. There's a lot of moving parts. Um, and the argument could be made that you know previous days the intelligence put us on that particular target in the in the first instance, and I right. was very grateful because to be we part do of that hear, team. don't we, quite often, um, and I think it was the case in the London Bridge attacks that sometimes people are under uh, a police watch or they're on a watch list or whatever that phrase means. I don't know if that means MI5 are onto them, but but often they'll say, well, yes. Uh, we this person was known to the police. Well, the but, Manchester bomber was on a yeah. He was on a watch list, yeah. but then somehow the surveillance is is is, is kind of take, taken away. Obviously, that wouldn't be your decision. But I mean, it must be very difficult because we hear from Sajid Javid today that there's literally hundreds of these things going on all the time. Within within my experience within the surveillance teams, uh, it's that the 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 rate the work rate is massive, mm. um, and we we do an extremely an extremely good job and I, and I reiterate the point that that uh, that I'm absolutely adamant about that we are the best in the world at what we do um and while I can't comment on current operations that I'm not in a position to do so I um I've, I've full confidence in that mm. we're doing the right job and yeah. when when you're walking around are you constantly thinking it, what's that in his pocket what's in that rucksack is Even, that a disguise mm. i mean do you ever you know you're sort of looking for baddies everywhere you go i think with with my personality traits and which which obviously make makes me uh, viable within the surveillance teams within MI5 is uh, you know I'm hyper vigilant. Um, I, I do look at the at the tiny details. Memory recall is high, but when you leave, you can't switch that off. No. Um, and those skills tend to stay with you, and you've got no. You have to be very very careful, which is obviously why the writing saves me. I think you have to be very careful not to spiral out of control. Well, I was going to say it could become turn. a real burden if you can't ever switch. It does. It off. I call it a blessing and a curse. You're blessed mm. with a very narrow skill set that that you can put to good, but once you're out, yeah. it can be a curse. And I mean, I, the when I helps. worked in Fleet Street many years ago, I was in America for quite a long time. A lot of um, former journalists and former military people went into sort of private business, worked for people like. 
like Kroll yeah. Associates work for yeah, yeah. Control Risk, people like yeah. that. Um, some very dodgy characters in those organisations. Mm-hmm. You've never been tempted to kind of go that that particular route. When I left, I was um, I was offered a few contracts um, like that, but um, I left because of PTSD and for 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 me to put myself right back into an environment mm. that would only compound that effect was was just not an option for me for, for and for my family. Yeah. And luckily, with the writing now, I can get the carnage that's in my head. I can put it on paper, yeah. and it's quite therapeutic, really. Did you did you find or did you feel um, that you were looked after when you had? Absolutely, your... it was. Yeah, I was so lucky. There's there's so many people with um, who, who suffer from mental health injuries, you know, firefighters, uh, nurses, police, uh, ambulance crews, the military in particular, um, and they don't get the help that they they need or the recognition. Because um, w- when you're in that environment, sometimes you, the the last person to recognise your your own symptoms is you. Yeah. And I, but I was so lucky that Thames House were all all over it. They they really threw everything at me, and and uh, they, they they did save me in a way. It was it, I'm really grateful for that. And did you want to leave, or did you feel you had to leave? I, I didn't I didn't want to leave, and I miss I miss my surveillance team to this day. Um, when when I got help from the, from welfare the welfare team the, um, the, the psychotherapists um, that diagnosed me with PTSD that day. Um, I was meant to be with my surveillance team later that afternoon, and they said, "Look, for your, for your own health and th- for everyone's safety, you, you're not joining the team." And I never saw them again. And was it one event that sparked the PTSD, or was it a series of? For build, me, it was. A, I think it was a, a culmination of, of different events. You know, uh, surviving the kidnapping plot, seeing seeing my friends die in operations, the, my handler um, being found dead, and, and being in that constant carnage. Was that in Northern Ireland, the handler being found dead? Yeah, um, and just being surrounded by um, that, that that chaos and, and having that inability to reach out and even deal with and talk with that. Um, because I didn't want to bring that, that chaos into my family and I didn't want to talk about it. And the work rate is just, was just so massive for me. Um, you know, I always put the analogy: there's only so many things you can sweep under the carpet before you fall over it. You know, mm. before it trips you up. Exactly. Well, Tom, listen, really appreciate you coming in, and, and I've got a great tweet here, which would be a nice way to end this. Phil says this: full respect to MI5 and to all those who keep us safe as they can. Tom mentions his family. It highlights to me that I think we are all guilty at times of forgetting how their job of looking after us has deep impact on their own family life and the sacrifice they all make. So hey, I hey. think that is very much uh, the way we would feel. Uh, yeah. Good luck with the book. It's called Capture or Kill. Tom Marcus. Uh, book's out, I presume, uh, yeah, now. now. Yeah. Uh, get it at all decent bookshops. That's right. Waterstones, yeah, Amazon, everywhere. all of that. Yeah. Fantastic stuff. Tom, thank you very much. In- a lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. 
Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. But what I would say to anybody out there whose partner has had an affair, do think very long and hard about it. Don't need to react immediately. Can you cope with it? And what we've found over the years of me doing research on it, people who've come from backgrounds where they have had their parents divorce or they've seen circumstances that made them feel very vulnerable are less likely to tolerate an affair. Those people... Sorry, Sorry, I was going to say, because we have seen, one of the things we talked about, I think, last time we spoke, Vanessa, was about these divorce centres that that were sort of started up by the government because there Mm. were so many divorces going on. They needed to actually, you know, fund special places for people to go. And then we heard that there was a problem because there was a legal issue, which might have meant that some of these people weren't actually divorced at all. What's the latest on that? Well, the latest is that they're working through the numbers of people who thought that they were divorced, but decree absolutes came through wrongly because the timing was wrong. And, of course, that's gone very, very quiet, Mm. obviously, because um, the authorities are desperately trying to work through the back numbers. But what's happened is, as they get rid of those, um, there are more and more people divorcing, and the rates are quite shocking now. Um, We do know that, whereas statistically people were saying it's two and three, it really has swung now to nearly one in two. And why is this happening? Well, it was because we were seeing all these silver splitters. That was the older people getting married, sort of uh, getting divorced 50 plus. Uh, But now we've almost run out of them. The youngsters are now starting up. And why are they starting up? Because the pressures on them are absolutely huge. And I said this before and people said this was nonsense. The fact of the uncertainty over Brexit has been causing enormous pressure on young couples who don't know what's going to happen in the future and that has caused an absolute spike of divorces in that particular age group 30 plus. And that's a new one I've never heard of somebody getting divorced because of Brexit well, I, was just gonna say, what, I suppose any excuse for some mean, people Do you mean specific like that, the sort of job security? Yes or? it's job security and the uncertainty whenever the markets are uncertain it always causes pressure and uncertainty and unhappiness. Well, if you bring that into the home, then it doubles the pressure. And unfortunately, the youngsters, we we did have a period where it was the older people were getting divorced and we had a drop-off of the youngsters at the other end of the scale because they were working together, they they were all um, helping out with childcare, and it seemed to be working so much better. But suddenly, there's this uncertainty come into into the uh, equation, and now we're getting arguments, pressure, you should be doing more childcare, no, you should be doing more childcare, well, why don't you not work because we don't know where it's going to be and this this pressure and competition has caused this spike again and what about the uh, uh, thing that daisy mentioned because i was quite surprised you said that in a way that um some people are still kind of ashamed of it in a way you know if your if your partner has an affair you don't really want the world to know about it so if you did get divorced you wouldn't cite it is there still some of that around I don't think there's as much now as there used to be. I think that women have sort of formed, if you like, little groups of support together so that it's acceptable if your partner has had an affair that people are sympathetic towards it. So whereas people would bury it before and and feel shamed by it, now it's like, well, don't worry, love, we'll we'll support you. you Sometimes sympathy is worse, though, isn't it? Sorry? Sometimes sympathy can be a lot worse. worse. 
Well, yeah, I guess, it can be. I guess, Vanessa, what I was really saying is if it happened to me, and, you know, God, I hope it doesn't, that I could imagine I wouldn't necessarily want it on formal documents. because no, I, I understand Because I wouldn't necessarily want sort of the kids to know and then say, well, it's all dad's fault or it's all, you yeah. know, or it's all mum's no. fault because that's, that's not helpful sensible. to anybody. No, I perfectly agree with you. However, not a lot of people think like that necessarily so when it's In it's the heat of on. the moment. <laughs> in the heat of the moment. And one of the yeah. things that people so often and say is, oh, we want them named. You know, particularly if it's a woman where the husband may have run off with the secretary or, or someone else or a friend of theirs. Oh, I want her named. And what we have to say is, look, the judges have made it very, very clear in directives they've given to us to make nice. And effectively, the directives say you do not name someone unless it's absolutely necessary. So we have stopped naming people years ago. Mm. And what how we drafted is that the, the respondent has committed adultery with a person whose name and identity we do not wish to reveal um, at various places and addresses, blah, 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 and it's, this is how we frame it, but we don't name them. And some people get so frustrated and say, well, I want to. But when you name them, you have to serve them with the proceedings, and it can cause a delay if they don't respond. So the courts have said, right, we don't want all of this, we don't want any of this nonsense, don't name them, just refer to them as the co-respondent but not name them. No, indeed. And as far as um, a question I've got here from somebody on Twitter goes, uh, they're saying is it true that 70%, uh, it's somebody called Dr. Law, is it true that 70% of divorces are initiated by women? And if it is, why is that? Um, because psychologically a lot of husbands will say, well, let her petition me because otherwise she'll go potty right. and she'll go after me for more money if I start saying that she's behaved unreasonably, mm. etc. So it's more, um, well, first of all, um, the statistics have demonstrated that more men do commit adultery, say, than women. Um, but we also have run statistically um, certain surveys that have demonstrated that over a period of time, a lot more women thought that men behaved up more unreasonably than they did. Mm. But if you ask the men, they will say, well, actually, that's not true, but frankly, we can't be bothered. No. So, because in, the, in the, um, the survey, which I think it's fair to say, Vanessa, you're... Uh, you're cynical about, but in um, in 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 their um, research, they say between 93, which apparently is the year divorce reached a peak of 165,000, yeah. and 2016, which I think you were saying is the last year that figures are available yeah. for. Yeah. It says the number of wives petitioning dropped by 45 percent. Um, I think that that's probably a slight over-exaggeration. There was a definite dip. There really was a dip. Um, and it was a dip that we saw definitely between 2008 uh, when the recession started to hit yeah. and 2014. We saw that. There was a definitive drop, although it didn't affect us because we were still as busy as anything. But we know that uh, across the board, it did affect a lot of practitioners who saw the drop but it also dropped and another reason why we saw a drop that the statistics haven't picked up on is that legal funding for divorce disappears during that period yeah. so um, again if people couldn't afford it they didn't do it um, so that was another reason but what isn't in this statistic is the number of people who cohabit that is live together who never get married um, but have children together who split 
and those are enormous and there is very little there's been very little research done on this area and a lot of us practitioners have been petitioning for years to try and deal with the issue um, but that they don't have the proper statistics for so no. those numbers have been increasing twofold threefold and yet they don't come into any of these statistics now, uh, you'll never go uh, get poor, I suppose, being a divorce lawyer, Vanessa, but the large client Hopefully. is always worth landing. You know, how are you keeping your eyes on Melania Trump, who apparently <laughs> hasn't been seen uh, since May the 10th well, and may not be accompanying her husband oh. anywhere? Well, although I do deal with a lot of expats from America, mm. and I do have an enormous amount that comes from Florida yeah. where I have the connection, right. um, she hasn't phoned me. I've been hanging around Mar-a-Lago you should. for quite a while. Yeah. Uh, but she hasn't. I, I thought if I go to the local shopping centre, mm. maybe mm. I might bump into her. I'm guessing but, she's got quite a good prenup, or he's got quite a good prenup. Would you think, Vanessa? I would suspect that he's got it very much tied up. But remember, she did have her own money. She's not as daft as people think. And the reason why we haven't seen her, I mean, certainly from my friends in Florida, they've all been talking about this nonstop. And they've said she's just waiting until his time as president is over. <laughs> and then she's out of there before you can say, well, Jack Robinson. Well, yeah. indeed. I mean, it doesn't look good for him, does it? I mean, every time he tries to grab her finger, she's batting his hand away. So, I mean... Uh, well, know, I can certainly have a bit of sympathy with that for what has come out. Um, that You know, in the newspapers and, and uh, broadcasters over there have talked about nothing else but him having affairs during the time that she had been just giving birth. Mm. And I think for any woman, that would be particularly sensitive. Yes, I think you're absolutely right. Well, Vanessa, listen, as ever, wonderful yeah. to speak to you. And I'm hoping, hoping we'll see soon. So I've been away. I've been away in Greece and Cos precisely for uh, a week and uh, actually one of the most expensive parts of the holiday, although not the most expensive part of the holiday, was the flights because EasyJet, uh, who we went yeah. out with, have a very, very interesting algorithm, I'm told, that when you start trying to book a flight on EasyJet's website, it recognises your uh, domain name and it also kind of knows where you've been going before and it sort of gives you... Oh, it knows your limits and or it, your well, I mean, I think background. Well, yeah, it has information that kind of helps it to up the prices, basically. I mean, and we ended up paying a far bigger amount of money on the flights to, to Greece than, yeah. I, than I wanted to, really. Um, but we just decided to go anyway. Because some people, I was told by Katie uh, when she was here, some people like to book the flights first and then find somewhere uh, to stay once they get there. Because that actually then makes it easier for them to get the holiday cheaper. Whereas oh, I if didn't you, know that. Whereas if you, yeah, whereas if you, yeah, but then you take the risk, don't you? Where you go, well, what if you don't find anywhere? Yeah, because I was looking for flights to Tenerife for New Year. Yeah. I mean, over New Year, it's unbelievable. I mean, it's four times what it yeah. would be at any other time yeah. of year. You're, you're completely stuck. Yeah, well, I'm not going to tell you exactly James. what I pay for them, but I will tell you. But I mean, it was un unbelievable. Uh, but there's a story this morning in the Daily Mail uh, about Centre Parks in which it says Centre Parks is hitting British families with a double whammy on prices. They pay more to stay at parks in the UK than at any other European parks. And they face inflated bills for meals. Now, I went much to my chagrin uh, to Centre Parks for my son's 11th birthday, which they loved, by the way, so yeah. I can't be too hard on them. But I didn't like it. It was not for me. Well, I must, you know, it was even more regimented. to admit that the only time I've been to Centre Parks was with no children at all. That is worse. Than, <laughs> I that is worse than, uh, than, I, went, I went in my 20s with some friends, which is really embarrassing. And well, do you know, people do that. I, I mean, we saw yeah. some, some groups of youngish people who were, I don't know if they were on just party weekends or whatever, but it, it's not really the sort of place you can have a massive party. No, I wouldn't quiet. go back in. I mean, the kind of you know, the, the the 
whatever you call it, chalet or the lodge that we were staying in. It was very nice. I think it was the, it was the one down by Longleat, you know, yeah, yeah. in the West Country. Yeah, yeah. And it was nice. But yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have gone. I would have gone back with smaller kids. Yeah. Um, but not with no kids. But yeah, the story of this is that Centre Parks um, is a sort of Europe-wide business. Well, it's but, a but, French business, I think, isn't it? Well, originally, but then it was sold. Um, so the UK and the European parks are actually separate businesses now. They used to be one business. Oh, right. So it's like franchise. And they got split into mm. the European um, and the British. So it was... It it was set up by uh, a Dutch entrepreneur. Oh, was it? Okay. Then it was bought by the British brewing chain Scottish in Newcastle. Okay. And then they sold the European part to a French holiday company, so you're right, and German investment group. That was in 2003. And then the British business was sold uh, to Blackstone, you know, the American oh, yeah. private equity. So yeah, it yeah. has it has been passed yeah. around but like course, a hot potato. But isn't it surprising or not surprising that whenever that sort of thing happens, it's the British who end up paying the most? According to this uh, guide here, £1,900 for a week uh, for a family of four in Woburn in Bedfordshire. In France, that same uh, week will cost you 1600 in, in Holland, 1300 And in Belgium, 1000 Yeah, and, and Germany, and Germany, less than, less than half of the original Shocking. price for the same you know yeah. pretty much exactly the same yeah. holiday so yeah they're saying it'd be cheap if you want to go to centre parks it'd probably be cheaper to jump in the car and yeah. drive to Belgium or wherever to, to Germany as long as you get pe- past the big queue of lorries on the M20 but let's think- talk to Jasmine Bertels who's a consumer journal from moneymagpie.com Jasmine very good morning uh, good afternoon I should say Hello, Barry. Now, um, I don't know whether you're a fan of centre parks. I'm not, so I'm going to put my cards firmly on the table. Never but, been. But I'm now even more upset to learn that uh, you get charged more for going on holiday in Britain than you do in Europe. Yeah, exactly. This this whole thing of staycations is is clearly not not as great as we were making out. I mean, good for them for for finding out that uh, centre parks is ridiculously expensive here and and cheaper. As you say, you could just get a new car, take everybody over to Belgium and, and have a, a a cheaper time. It's like as you say, you know, why why not go just down to to Spain, um, and have a nice cheap holiday there rather than have a week in Whitby, which yeah. is probably going to be more expensive really than than the whole Spanish, you know, South of Spain or whatever. And, and Jasmine, actually, I found it even sort of more irritating when they when they started looking at the cost of meals within the centre. So this t- put aside the whole sort yeah. of European um, can, you know, um, prices, price comparisons. So th- they have restaurants, Cafe Rouge, Bello Italia, Strada mm. and Iguanas. I think all of whom, all of whom barred Strada is owned by the same the same company. And they charge right. much more within the centre parks um, restaurants than they would if you went to a Café Rouge that was on <coughs> a high street. And, I mean, you're sitting ducks inside mm. centre parks. You, you can't to, go yes. anywhere. You can't go no. anywhere. You're pretty much locked in. Um, and why should you have to pay 60% more for breakfast at a Café Rouge than you would in a normal Café Rouge? Yeah. Well, absolutely. I mean, I frankly, I don't know whether it's it's that that the companies, you know, the, the individual companies think to themselves, oh, well, great, as you say, they're they're sitting targets. We can we can just do that. We can just whack it up. Or if it's that they have horrendous um, amounts of rent to pay mm. um, to centre parks. As I'm saying this, so I'm thinking, you know, the ones in London, a lot of them have horrendous amounts of rent to pay. Yeah, they charge the same. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. 
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.